0: What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, giving you week, I don't know, of quarantine <laughs> content. Uh, my name is Pat Sheehan, joined by my trusty co-host, Dave Mario Swagger. Dave, what's going on, man? Those
1: quick bites, man. That's what's going on. Quibi out now. Uh, yeah, who's counting the
0: days, man? I'm not. Uh, you, you're not counting the days. Quibi's counting the minutes, though. Ten minutes or less. Are you planning on purchasing Quibi checking it out
1: not at this time I'm in, like like all other times I'm not uh, lacking in things to watch and read and all that so I don't need to pay for something new at this time unless something really is like jumping out and everyone's saying you gotta gotta watch it and that's not the case for now just like it wasn't the case with Apple thus far so that's where I'm at what about you
0: I'm I'm interested pretty much only in the uh Spielberg uh show. So if I hear that's really good, maybe I'll give it a, a free trial, watch some episodes, but you know, uh like you said, um for the lack of content that we have coming out in terms of movies and even albums being dropped and pushed back. Uh, television is pretty packed for the next couple of weeks. So maybe early May, depending on how, how this quarantine is going. Uh, I'll, I'll dive into it, but for right now, I think I'm good. We're going to be talking about a couple of albums today, a movie, uh, and then an XXL freshman. Um, so why don't we start though with the movie that we're talking about, which is never really sometimes always, and never really sometimes always, uh, is a an indie film dropped by eliza uh, hitman um and it, it kind of like popped up my radar out of nowhere i guess um it, i don't know how, how attuned to it you were dave but it, it came out got really great reviews um right away it's, i think it's still sitting at 98 percent rotten tomatoes um and went right to video on demand which is something that not a lot of movies are doing right now so we were like, hey, let's let's mine those content, uh, uh, sn- like, Snickers, uh, like, whatever we can get for right now. The, the, <laughs> the drip, drip, drip. Uh, I really enjoyed enjoyed it, but I got to say, for some quarantine content, this was still some pretty heavy shit, man.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, I was aware of this because it was a big critical hit out of Sundance where it won a special jury award, and then it also won the Silver Bear at Berlin right after that which is like their second prize basically and it was on my radar because it was supposed to be rolling out a limited release in April and it had started that first like LA New York run and then got shut down so it belatedly gets put on VOD by focus and yeah in a sense that's kind of that's definitely a tough break for a small movie that had a, a decent chance at having you know a successful indie run as far as small movies go but yeah it uh I was, I was happy that it got added because it was really the first of these like early VOD drops that I hadn't seen slash still really wanted to see so in a sense I think that's gonna start drying up as everything that had a little theater run is being already out um, but I'm definitely happy this was this was available because I was really looking forward to it and i and i had heard about eliza hitman's second movie beach rats in 2017 it's been on my list the whole time still haven't seen it but when i heard it was you know from the person who made beach rats i was like okay cool yeah definitely definitely with it and then yeah you uh you get the idea you understand why it's so uh critically arranged i think it's really great but yeah definitely not the the lightest watch definitely a uh Also, quite a subtle movie where not a whole lot of plot happens. So I think you definitely have to be in the right mood, especially nowadays, to, I think, appreciate what makes this movie so great.
0: Yeah, I agree. And we're going to be spoiling. So if you haven't watched it for whatever reason, um, just bookmark this and come back when you have. Um, Although, like Dave said, there's not a lot of plot. I think the thing that that you can't really spoil too much about this movie is it's about the feeling I think you get when you watch it. Throughout, um, it follows Autumn, played by Sydney Flanagan in her big screen debut, uh, acting debut, I believe, actually. Yep. And her cousin uh, in the movie, played by Talia Ryder. The cousin's name is Skylar, as uh, they venture from a small town in Pennsylvania into New York City so that Autumn, who's 17, can um, try to get an abortion for a pregnancy that obviously she did not intend and you know sitting with the movie when the credits rolled i kind of my first thought was like that's it like there was no big speech there was no big like uh voiceover or monologue or, or even like a huge moment besides maybe one or two in the movie where you were like oh wow but then i i kind of sat with it for like an hour or two afterwards, uh, I was doing some other stuff, and what I really came to like feel was just that the the struggle that the seventeen year old girl feels throughout the movie felt so frustrating, but never despairing throughout the movie. And I think that's why I found this to be such a a, a masterful uh, performance by by Hitman as a director in her second movie, because she really finds this sweet spot where she puts this. 17-year-old girl who has very little support in her life um, who's dealing with this huge thing that she doesn't know what to do and she still somehow feels triumphant and sturdy throughout even when she feels lost at times but it never feels like oh shit this this person's about to like not be able to figure this out it always feels like there's this like inner strength coming from flanagan playing autumn and just really, I thought it was a, a great performance all around from the, the, those three women, Ryder, Flanagan, and Hitman, especially. What, what would what'd you leave the movie kind of sitting with most?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I'd say uh, the fact that the film doesn't present itself as a issues movie. Here's the movie about abortion. This is what hmm. we're doing. You know, it's not like that. And the whole plotting and storytelling it feel like it is in sync the whole time. you know when you feel when you understand what the title of the movie means, right. when autumn is uh, being asked about her uh, sexual and uh, relationship history, um, everything is still told in like a slightly vague way, but that's due to the choices of the character, and it makes total sense, and it's almost just leaving things on the surface and almost make, making it about like a bigger bigger issue bigger story without like being really blunt and obvious about what that is it's not hard to follow but it's almost like a less is more thing so i really like that and it, it it kind of tracks with the performances you're getting from the actors which is again a very measured stuff mm-hmm. and i mean you said it already but sydney flanagan who i didn't read the whole story yet but Elias hitman actually discovered her like years ago at like some like party when she was a few years old. I'm actually not even sure how old she is in New Flanagan. It's hard to get a lot of this info because it's like someone who's brand new. There's like no Wikipedia on her yet, you know? So I I assume she's like in her late teens, early twenties, but either way, uh, she really just kind of carries that movie, you know, like her cousin does not have nearly as many lines. I I really liked her as well. Um, And Tali Ryder is going to have a small role in West Side Story coming up this year, which is cool. But yeah, Flanagan really just makes the whole thing work because it's like you said, I think Surrey is a great way to put it. Um, and I think as people that have been in New York before, it also uh, in obviously intentionally portrays how uh, daunting traveling in New York City can be mm-hmm. for the uninitiated, whether learning how to buy and then swipe a Metro card or. Um, the gruff attitude you can face from, uh, locals, stuff like that. Uh, I, th- I, f- I found that amusing just as overall, like portrayal mm-hmm. of the city, um, which I think kind of contrasts to how I'm watching devs portray the Bay area as well. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yeah. yeah, I, 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 the, the way that this movie tackles abortion and, uh, sexual violence and domestic violence and all that without, um, aggrandizing itself with some like really obvious preachy speech and not that having a speech about that stuff isn't is inherently preachy on its own but it doesn't even need to do that it's, it's almost like smarter and stronger than that so yeah it's it's a, it's, a, it's really a impressive script and I wonder like um, you know the directing too is like really really subtle and you wonder how they got some of those shots right in New York because of this movie mm-hmm. definitely was not expensive but um, yeah it's a great movie
0: yeah and you know there's so many like I, I want to say little things but they're really not that little um, like there's there's this feeling of of lack of safety with every single guy in the movie oh, yeah. you know especially the the stepdad but the movie opens up I think really smartly because it um, it starts off with this talent show seems like this kind of like throwback music talent show at this high school And there's like this Elvis impersonator and these people really yucking it up. And then Autumn comes out there and she's very serious. And she almost feels like she's like singing her heart out. Um, But on such such a different wavelength and there's just like heaviness to her that the rest of the students don't have. So you kind of get a sense of who she is right from the get go. And then she gets heckled right in the middle, right? And that kind of starts off how every interaction with pretty much every guy in the movie, there's the sense of danger or the sense of like ownership that Men seem to like feel over the women in the movie, like whether it's the the supervisor at the supermarket who like kisses their hands yeah, when God, they hand the yeah the money in, or tough to watch. Yeah, and or the the stepdad, how one he's pretty like verbally abusive to her, but also like the how he like has this weird way of like using the dog to like portray something to the women. I, that part felt a little confusing, but like vaguely intimidating. Or even like Jasper, mm-hmm. who, you know, like he, I, I couldn't really get a sense of what what his deal was until, the, like, they had to rely on him or call on him to try to get some help in terms of getting the bus ticket, and then right. you kind of see he's he's got this ultimatum as well, and um, I think that that really portrays uh, well the the perspective of of Autumn and and skylar who are right. these young women who have been victimized who have been taken advantage of pressured into things and this is the way that they see the world that mm-hmm. most men are probably out or, or not safe for them and that's i think that's done in a really smart way where it's not super in your face but it yeah. if you just piece it together it's it's really artfully done um i also thought the uh the using the the local abortion and it's not abortion clinic the local like young mother's clinic that she goes right. to um and kind of how their methods and their perspective shaped the information that they told her to try to like dissuade her from doing certain things making certain decisions i thought that was really smartly done as well and that kind of push and pull on her her decision i don't know it, it was so real at times it almost was like how, like hard to watch but also i think really gripping throughout so
1: yeah and the story would be a lot different too if um you know autumn lived a few hundred miles further south you know not <laughs> exactly in in train distance of new york you know right it could, it could be even a worse a or a worse kind of story you know um yeah though i think it's a it's it's, it's really great and I'm curious to see how this does on VOD because it's not a movie that was ever going to get a huge marketing spend, even if nothing changed in our world. But um, I think pe- people that seek it out would probably be pretty happy with it. So mm-hmm. it's definitely at the
0: top of my, right at the top of my list so far this year. Shout out to um, The Mom, played by Sharon Von Etten, <laughs> yeah. who uh, we, we've reviewed her album last year. So, uh, <laughs> fan of the pod, come on the pod, Sharon Von Etten. Um, why don't we move on to some music, though? Now that we're speaking about some musical artists, Sam Hunt uh, dropping his second album South Side, uh, the follow-up to 2014's Montevallo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> Sam Hunt, I- interesting. Cause I feel like uh, he has such stature within the country music genre for so little output but he's such a big name, man. I mean, it's crazy. And, I, you know, when you when you write Body Like a Back Road or House Party or Drinking Too Much, like, those are songs that really, I think, mesh pop and country well. And I kind of just become songs that's like Geist. And he's received a lot of criticism for not being pure country music, uh, you know, being called bro country. Yeah. Uh, before we start recording it, you, I think you said it best, he's kind of called the Drake of country in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he will admit that he uses hip-hop influence to create these country songs. Um, and that was kind of the, the thing coming out of his first album, uh, Montevallo, was um, the song, the sound wasn't traditional country. It was this more pop, R&B, hip-hop-infused sound. Um, but people seemed to respond to it. And then he drops his biggest hit three years later after, after the fact with a uh, body like a back road, songs everywhere. And then he just disappeared for a little while. We we didn't hear from him for almost two years. Uh, and now second album comes out Southside. and Dave, I know you didn't listen, so I'm going to, I'm going to report. Uh, albums pretty much what you'd expect. Actually, Maybe the way he subverts expectation is it's not as um progressive in terms of infusing those different genres into country, it does take a bit of a step back to more traditional country sound. Um, but there's still flourish like hip hop flourishes without. I mean, he uh, in one of the songs um called Hard to Forget, he takes web Pierce's um, There Stands the Glass and like flips it like a sample would in like uh i don't know any like kanye song basically hmm. um and he starts it start out with that and uses that to kind of lead the beat throughout the song and that's probably the most progressive sounding hip-hop sounding song on the album but there's little flourishes throughout like kinfolk sounds uh definitely hip-hop influenced drinking too much as i'm sure you've you've heard sounds just like a drake track um <laughs> uh by like a back road is on this which is absurd that those two singles from two years and three years ago made this not be allowed hey whatever um overall it's pretty good very catchy uh i think the parts i was least least interested in were the the country traditional tracks but right um overall i I mean i i get the appeal he he's he's very mainstream uh in terms of like Mm -hmm. infusing those two sounds so i get it is it good sure
1: that's that's so funny to me about country music these days is to have the mainstream success you have to as you said dabble more in that bro country basically uh, from a production from a sonic standpoint you're just making pop music it's the same kind of production it just has country quote-unquote lyrical subject matter and I always find that funny that like the most popular country these days Luke Bryan Florida Georgia line, Marin Morris, stuff like that. You know, country fans, um, a lot of them anyway, like the, the, mainstream ones don't seem to realize that this is just pop music with a, with a different shape. A twang, you know? Right. Right. Like the real, the real, the real country people, you know, they're about that Chris Stapleton. They're about <laughs> that old school Sturgill Simpson. You know, they don't like, yeah. this shit. you know, I, I would recommend, uh, people watch on YouTube this video by Grady Smith, who's a popular country voice. It's called this beat is killing country music. And it really gets into what I was just saying really really well. So yeah, the fact that Sam Smith wouldn't uh, suddenly find true country roots doesn't surprise me at all. It's just the name of the game. Even people that have made really good country music have done this too, like like a Jason Aldean, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just the way it goes. So that's, uh, that's interesting But the fact that he only, this is his, first album in like five and a half years almost is just really strange to me because as you said he's been very popular and he's toured pretty regularly and heck he's been even in the tablets a little bit like you know, it'd be a DWI recently but like he, he's been popular and it's I, why why I take this long it's almost I don't know maybe there's not a whole lot of artistry to him or it's not as much as people think I don't know I'm just a casual observer of it all
0: <laughs> yeah you know uh I didn't really read too much about this. I think I did see something um, where the first track on the album, 2016, talks about like making amends and uh, if I could put the drink back in the bottle, I would. If I could put the smoke back in the blunt, I would. So maybe he's been trying to um, move past those substance abuse issues that I've gotten in the tabloids. Um, But, you know, uh, he seems like he also got married. To actually the person that he wrote drinking too much about, which is kind mm-hmm. of funny, um, and also named the first album after her hometown. Um, so, um, yeah. So uh, some life events have happened for him for sure, but yeah, I don't. It's it's hard to say like where he sits in like the realm of country music um, because when when you pop in and just drop bangers, but then disappear for a while, it's like, w- what's your status, right? Is it just like right. this like unique? specter over the genre, I don't know.
1: I also didn't realize he's 35, he's older than Drake. I thought he was like late 20s. Still,
0: he looks and like you think,
1: Drake, you know, that first album's quite old, he's actually been around longer than you think.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, he dropped when he's 29. He played college football too, which I don't remember who he played for, but seems like he's had an interesting life. Um, probably just living his life, doing his thing, making yeah. money off these I mean, huge fucking hits. He's man. in the pot
1: machine now. It's all good. So, uh,
0: I think we'll probably be hearing more output. Maybe it's one of those things just needed to get over the hump for album number two. Anyways, we'll, we'll probably add one or two tracks. Um, I, I think I want to add Hard to Forget to the playlist, so check that out. Nostalgia Best of 2020. Dave, we already added a track from this next artist to our Best of 2020 playlist, Thundercat. It is what it is, man. His fourth album, um, yeah. Great album I, title
1: for these tough times,
0: yeah, for real. <laughs> and you know, it, you just mentioned Sam Hunt's thirty-five, Thundercat also thirty-five. Much different outputs, and uh, I think influences in their respective genres. And yeah, uh, Thunder, did you like this album? It is what it is. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think sound. So.
0: No, no no. It.
1: no, no. What what I realized, I think, after listening to this, and I listened to Drunk too, his last album from two two plus years ago, is that like Thundercat, I think, makes really good music solo, and obviously, he's a really talented producer and multi instrumentalist and all that. But I like his contrib- uh, collaborations with other artists more than I like his solo music, hmm. and I feel like even Thundercat probably would acknowledge that, like he's more popular for his work with. Kendrick and Kamasi Washington and Josh Gambino and Janelle Monet, Mac Miller, Flying Lotus. It's a long list. He, he's very in demand and he works with tons of talented, critically acclaimed people all the time. He, he's got that ear. But when he does make his own music, it's almost like, I don't know, is it, like a, is it lower stakes? I thought this was almost a lo, lo, lower stakes album. But mm-hmm. if you, you, you dig deeper, it is kind of interesting. Um, he, he, he's not drunk anymore, he's actually sober. <laughs> and I guess Mac Miller's passing helped get him to decide that he just wasn't interested in drinking too much anymore, yeah. which is, you know, obviously a tough all around, but that's nice to hear, I suppose. But yeah, no, I, I think it's uh it's pretty breezy. He, he does have a good voice and mm-hmm. usually we think of his bass first, but he's a solid singer too.
0: Yeah. I'm still going to think of him as bass first. Cause the thing that stands out by far, um, or stands that most to me, I guess, by far on this album is the, his bass is extraordinary. And we, we already knew that. So that we don't really need to stay on that too much, but man, I pretty much like once a song, I would just tune into the, the bass line. I'd be like, <laughs> this guy is just like the best soul funk bassist out there right now. I guess jazz soul funk. Um, and it's interesting cause you know, Kamasi and flying Lotus, um, they they're all friends and they I think they even grew mm-hmm. up in jazz bands together out in LA. They're all on
1: Brainfeeder, same album yep. or same and, label.
0: And they they helped produce this album and Kamasi is just so much more a traditional like jazz musician. Like you listen to his albums and it's these long epic jazz uh, like I don't know, opuses that right. you're just like taking That's the name of the guy. last one,
1: right? The Epic was it?
0: Yeah, something like that. And then yeah, Flying Lotus, who's just so unique, and some of the stuff that Flying Lotus makes is so obscure and like hard to really get into. Out there, and then you have then you have um, sorry, Thundercat, who just seems like he took the best of both of them and has made it a lot more palatable for right. the average sure. music fan. I, I think that's what I really respect is he still I think stays true to his roots while also making music that most people would at least get something out of like black Walls is just a really good funk so- like song just in general and then you have uh Childish Gambino coming in and Steve Lacey offering some some bars and singing over it giving it a little bit of that soul and it's just a really great song um just like Ty Dollar sign shows up later on on the album on uh, mm-hmm. fair, fair chance, chance. i yeah. think that sounds really good um, Lil B, obviously, jumping on that as well. Hey, Thanks, God. And go. probably, probably my, my second favorite song on the album after Black Qualls is uh, Dragon Ball Do-Rag. Mm-hmm. That, that song's fucking awesome. And the music video for it is hilarious, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just named the three singles. I believe those are my favorite songs. Um, yeah. Two of those three involve collaboration. Mm. I, I think is really good when he's playing off other people. Um, I also like Overseas, which features Zach Fox, who's always hilarious when he shows up. Um, But yeah, you know, I mean, I think when it's just Thundercat's voice or him in a sample, sometimes you just kind of, I don't know, space out a little bit and just listen Mm -hmm. to the sick, groovy bass that follows all of his songs. And that's cool, you know? Um, Them Changes made my decade songs list. And ultimately, that's just a song with a really sick bass line. Yeah, and sometimes that's okay.
0: Sometimes that is okay, Dave. And uh, we, I think we, re- we both recommend giving this a listen. There's really not anything I would say that's bad on here. But like you said, I think some of the uh, the songs where it's just Thundercats solo, um, you just find yourself sometimes grooving a little bit more than actually tuning in. So uh, definitely worth a listen. Give it a give it a check, Dave. Tell me about this Empress of album that I neglected to listen to.
1: Uh, yeah, Empress of was someone who I became aware of when her second album came out in twenty eighteen. Uh, first album twenty fifteen called Me. Second one called Us. Is American pop R and B singer. Kind of a interesting genre blend, almost like avant garde pop. She's been compared to Grime. She's been compared to FK Twigs. Um, but having heard this third album, I'm Your Empress of, which just dropped, there's a much more like dancey element to the production. And I actually like this album the most of the three. And I would almost say like, you could almost, she almost reminds me more of like, a, like Janelle Monet on her slower tracks. Uh, it's kind of oh. hard to compare it to someone. But either way, I definitely recommend people at least jump in with this third album because this kind of avant-garde, dancey pop—again, hard to explain—is dope. Like, there's a lot of like really fun songs on here, and I think she is a pretty good songwriter too. Um, this is a little more wider in scope than the past stuff, which were much more focused on like relationship things. But either way, I, I would say definitely try and dive in. There's a few tracks, um, "Bit of Rain," "You Give It Up." give me another chance and maybe this time where the four i really really dug and you know she's not a not a popular artist at all she's in, in any kind of dance pop play, She was far from dua lipa and it's pretty obvious um but and I, I didn't see a whole lot of like attention being given to this album it was really just something i was just on the lookout for because i knew the last one got a lot of love but i was happy I listened to listen to and i definitely a recommend people give it a shot just because, you know, I think we're, we're seeing this now, the album uh, release calendar is starting to dry up at least for the next month or so. So anything that looks like it was put out the way the artist wanted to uh, is worth your time. I think in this case, Empress Of, she, she said she made this all at her home studio in LA in between tours, which I think is kind of impressive because it mm-hmm. sounded like she made this pretty fast. But this is definitely my favorite album of hers thus far. And pretty oh. short, so definitely listen to it.
0: So it feels like a progression for you.
1: Yeah, I'd say so. I, the other stuff was a lot more like softly spoken, but the production there was just not like like any like big production like there is on mm-hmm. this one. Which you know
0: wh- whether she sticks to this lane or not, I'm not sure, but um, I liked it a lot. Well, I'm looking forward to giving that a listen, catching catching up for sure, Dave. why don't we move on to this, uh, Rod wave album uh pray for love this is what his second studio album but since 2017 he's released like five mixtapes and i don't know it seems like he's a pretty active yeah. guy
1: i i i looked and i didn't really do a good job of finding an official account he's put out a lot of music in a short amount of time he's only 20 years old so that, that's certainly impressive
0: yeah he's got uh the, the hunger Games trilogy. On here, one, two, and three. Thief in the night. Uh, sorry, thief in the night was a track. Uh, PTSD and Ghetto mm-hmm. Gospel, and now Pray for Love. Uh, this is my first time really diving in. Um, I, I, I listened to like his, his big single, um, "Heart of a Hard on Ice." Yeah. Sorry, and it's the hit. It's the hit so far. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of got a sense of him, and gotta be honest, pretty underwhelmed by this album. Um, I think mostly what I felt underwhelmed by was it felt very samey throughout for me. Uh, it felt very much like the same energy for most songs. I actually thought I, my Spotify had like gone back and played one of the the same, the same songs over again. It's a bad accident. sign. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I was I wasn't totally digging this this album. Did you like it more than I did?
1: I liked a lot of moments, but I agree it does fa- uh, can sound samey, which I think is. It is interesting and probably fixable for him because i think he demonstrated on all his work to date that rod wave he can do the really like melodic singing stuff but he also is a talented rapper so he has the ability i think to switch it up more than a lot of other people we associate with being more one note but if the vibe doesn't change and it feels the same the whole time unless the lyrics are really really great uh that's gonna that's gonna I think wear on a lot of listeners and I do give him credit. I think he does have a lot of moments where he can give you those really like painful lyrics that also can kind of serve as really motivational stuff. He reminds me a lot of NBA young boy. I think the appeal is very similar in terms of guys that can both be more singy and more rappy and just attract fans. Um, but yeah, I think he's still still uh, on the, on the rise with that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I liked, um, the greatest. I like the uh, rags to riches. I think they're he, he can make some kind of really catchy sounds and he's definitely talented. And I am definitely going to keep looking out for him because it, it does feel like he's starting to attract a lot of fans in the past, really, the past few months. It's been a really quick rise in terms of him getting any really mainstream attention. So I'm certainly interested, but I agree. Um, it, uh, you know, in terms of as, as a full body of work, it's not. Um, he can, I think he'll do better in the future.
0: Yeah, I think I've, I like the ending a little bit more, um, although uh, I don't I don't know if, if any song in particular stands out, but maybe that was just also... Um, I was excited for the album to be over. Uh, I, I don't want yeah. to, to dig too much on them. I guess just for what I was going in, kind of expecting and what this album turned out to be, it felt very much just kind of like a Sad Boy album, um, which... Uh, you know, listening to Heart on Ice, I guess maybe you can hear elements of that, but it didn't really seem just totally like what I thought I was gonna be getting. So, I think, like you said, there's room for potential. <sighs> I don't know. What which which song would you say is your favorite again? Uh, I say the greatest
1: probably. Greatest. When he's able to mix like that, like that again, you know, that motivational rap where he's he's gonna have, he does have like just a melodic like drawl to the way he enunciate everything. But when I think when, when he's bringing that energy a little bit more, because he does, because it does happen sometimes. Um, so those are the songs I like for him more. When, when he's just doing the more straight melodic singing shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not with that quite as much. Just because that's something that's really in vogue right now. And if you're not doing it really, really well, it's not going to stand out. And yeah. I think a lot of times it didn't stand out here, but I think I th- if he still did it well sometimes. So again, like I said, I think there's definitely room to. For him to keep evolving, so I'm, I'm still in. I think on on Rod Wave and building on hard on ice in the future.
0: Once again, the greatest was added to our Nostalgia Best of 2020 playlist. So go check that out. Give us a follow there and share it with all your friends. And Dave, the time has come. The uh, XXL Freshman 2020 Edition predictions. Now, just a just a I don't think it needs to be said, but just to remind the people. How credible of a source you are. You've gone 10 for 10, I believe, the last couple of years, or is it 9 for 10 one year? I
1: went, to, I went, I went 9 for 9, I think, two years ago. Okay. I think I got like 8 of 10 last year, if I want to say. Pretty good. In a while, yeah. Uh, to me, it's just really easy, to be honest. I always laugh when people throw out these like, really ridiculous comparisons. So like, You just pay attention. You just, you, just, you, just, you just watch that tape, like I do.
0: Watch uh, those numbers, son.
1: You can, uh, you know, you can, you can predict this shit. But I always, I always enjoy. It's kind of like uh, rap fantasy sports to me. I always, I always have fun trying to predict it. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't give a shit about XXL. What do they care? And I was like, yeah, sure, you don't have to care what they think at all. I just have fun thinking about the the cover and I guess like the, the history of the the fresh proverbial freshman class year to
0: year. So I, I've always enjoyed it. Now, how did you feel about last year's class overall?
1: Last year's, I I, uh, I liked quite a bit. I would say. You know, I say it's every year. There are times when the XXL Fresh Meal comes out, they make the decisions late winter. We start hearing about it early spring. We have to cover May, June ish, right? Inevitably, with that kind of uh, regular calendar, there's going to be rap careers that go from missing the cut one year to far exceeding the uh, qualifications. Uh, the following year, right? Think mm-hmm. of Cardi B, recent example of that. Uh, last year, uh, Juice World, Little Baby, two huge stars. One gone too far, gone far too soon. Uh, they didn't make it, you know. And I think if 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 they were on the list, it would have been an amazing list. But mm-hmm. you know, in their place, we had people like YK Osiris and Comethazine artists. I didn't pick, and I got wrong when I was doing the predictions because I didn't think they were. Uh, worthy picks but you know I think last year's cover you have the coronation of the huge female led rap wave that we have going on right now with Megan Stallion Tierra at Rico nasty three I think really talented yet all different from each other voices right
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, as well as uh, YBN YBN Corday, who Roddy who, rich yeah like stars in the making slash stars right now it, it, it was it was a really good group and then, I mean, the 10th spot, which is like the, the fan voted on thing, was Blueface, who, you know, whether you like him for talent otherwise, Blueface uh, has certainly become a popular rapper. So um, I, I was I thought Blueface was a good pick. So, you know, I, I think overall it was a good one. Even Little Mosey, someone who got absolutely clowned for his really bad performances in the freestyles once he was selected, um, he's got a huge hit right now. Blueberry Fago, that uh, has, you know, become a TikTok smash and all that stuff. So, I think overall it was a really strong year.
0: So last year was a strong year. Uh, I think anyone that looks at those names will say, are we going to be saying the same thing a year from now about this class? Do you feel like this class has the potential to reach the the strength of last year's?
1: So I'd say it, it, it's, I think it's strong year. I mean, there, there's a lot of contenders, a lot of tough cuts but I also kind of feel that way almost every year because there's just so much young talent in hip hop and it's like the only genre you even do something like this in terms of making it interesting freshman list year to year. Like you can't really do that anywhere else anymore. Right. Like, I don't know. Maybe six years ago you could have done this for like EDM, I guess like new DJs and stuff. But like, I don't know where you can do this for anything else. Right. You certainly can't do it for rock. Um, and like other, other scenes, like take, take too while to bubble up. Like hip hop, you can become a star Mm -hmm. immediately. Um, even faster now. I think the, the 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 rise of TikTok has made this even even faster than it already was. You know, but uh, I think there's still a lot of a lot of really good selections this year. And even if we don't get the overall mainstream star power that I think we already have last year, um, from last year, uh, it's, I think it's still a strong one. You know, I mean, last year again, like Roddy Rich was picked, Megan Stein was picked. They only continued to get bigger app after that, right? Roddy, the the box, still freaking number one somehow. Don't know who's still listening to the box, but evidently a lot of people are, you know? So I don't know if we're gonna get quite quite to that level. But I think and Corday, who's you know, being tabbed and coordinated every, every chance we get. But I mean there's still a lot of good picks. So I, I like this year. I, I think in terms of like bad years, I think was it twenty fifteen? There were there were some weak ones um in the middle of the de- last decade. So I don't think I don't think we have one of those this year.
0: So why don't we start off with the people that seem like absolute locks, you know, just, uh, I'll, I'll throw out my, the, the little bit of knowledge I have and see what what, what I can do here. So just kind of looking through, uh, we talked recently about Jack Harlow, one of the few names on here that I am aware of, uh, I'm familiar with feels like he's probably going to get on there, Right. Um, yes. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, Jack yeah. Harlow,
1: he, he's the only one. I think he, he probably would be the first XXL choice from Kentucky, which I guess mm. I guess is cool. He also is a white rapper. They don't make the list often, so I think if there's a a, a worthy pick, it almost stands out for that. Um, but yeah, what's poppin'? That's what hundred million streams in Spotify or just about, mm. and he's I think he's up to like thirteen million monthly listeners as a result of basically one song that became a, a TikTok meme among other things. So. But even if that's really the only touchstone people have, a lot of times you only need one big hit to make this kind of list. Mm-hmm. But I still think he's a good one because if that one hit is based off bars and technical ability, the, 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 I think that leads to uh, faith and strong output in the future. So I think Jack Cloud a, a really good pick.
0: So the next one that seems like a lock to me would be Lil Tekka uh have you seen these spotify numbers dude ransom uh almost up to 600 million streams on spotify uh, not not really sure how you could be on this list have 600 million streams and not get picked so he seems like a lock right
1: yeah oh yeah well that's the thing it's like the little tech like wave was just starting when the cover was coming out last year so it was one of those everyone's like all right next year it'll probably be time and then Ransom gets all the way to number four in the country. All these mon- mon- monster numbers, as you said, um, it sounds like he's he's still throwing his hat in the ring for this year. He's not going to bow out and you know become too big for, it, which is cool because I think he's definitely can is like the anchor of this cover with when you have that kind of status and, and success already. Um, and he you know, he's from New York, but he's very much representing that newer melodic wave that you get in New York, of course. From people like a boogie so yeah Lil Tekka is also only 17 like and he's already had a monster hit like this so and and you know his debut album we love you tecca had other successful songs like shots so i i don't think he's a one-hit wonder by any means and yeah i mean ransom man ransom was actually my second most streamed song on spotify last year funny enough it, it just, it's just a catchy song that you just can run
0: back all the time so yeah, uh, he
1: he he's the face of the cover. I'd say he's the anchor this year.
0: Interesting. Okay, um, I, I mean, makes sense when you're doing those numbers, you gotta be up there. So, little TJ also doing some monster numbers here on Spotify. Um, it look just looking here, uh, he has multiple songs with more than a hundred thousand, a hundred million. I'm sorry, pl- uh, plays,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, FN. Pop out, which he's featured on, hold on. I mean, he does some numbers. He's he's probably up there too, right?
1: Yeah, I actually he was one of the picks I I made him as a pick last year, and obviously got that wrong. Um, and he had a lot of songs I liked from last year, like Brothers and Resume. Yet now we have even more outpit. We had that that full length project pop out with Polo G. It was a massive hit. It's actually his biggest hit today, even though it's a feature. And Lil TJ, I think he, he's literally from the Bronx, just like a boogie. And he sounds a lot like a boogie. You could call him B boogie or C boogie if you want. <laughs> um, also, only 19. So, yeah, little TJ, he was another one that people were thinking last year, you know, this is just miss. I, I was trying to squeeze him on last year, didn't happen. But he, he's a uh, he I think he, he's an obvious one for me. And then, you know, he, he's obviously connected with Polo G. With pop out, pop out's massive. That's like 320 million streams. That's really big. But Polo G actually really surprised me. I wish we reviewed his album last year, Die a Legend, because I was expecting more of the sound of Little well, TJ, the more of the sound of pop out. But the rest of that album is much more of that. I don't know that like Meek Mill like street survival stuff and in Polo G's case he's from Chicago but he's from like you know like the south side where it's really hard and he was he got a lot of raves for that album in terms of the uh the lyricism so he's actually I think kind of an underrated pick where people know pop out which is just a fun banger yet there's actually a lot more lyrical uh dexterity under the hood almost kind of I think he's just a lot like Meek Mill so uh he's definitely one I would invest in long term because I think you know die Legend is the strongest uh, uh full-length project any of the people we're gonna pick today has released so far and yeah i think and that actually says a lot and he's only 21 still
0: you're so, buying all the polo g stock i it am. sounds like um all right so who else is it feels like a lock to you anybody
1: yeah i said there's one more lock uh and that would be nle Chapa, who like little teca is only 17 years old another one who was starting to make that buzz last year. People were already throwing his name out. Um, Shot of flow was really big. That's what put him on the map. Then he releases the remix with Blueface. Probably Blueface's best feature ever, where Blueface actually adopts the flow of someone else, Choppas, and it's great. I think it's a better version of the song. And Blueface actually performs that when he does his own sets because it's such a big hit. And he also released Camelot, which is just a energetic banger. And you know, Choppas from Memphis we're getting a lot of Memphis these days we'll talk about someone else from Memphis later and he just kind of has that like shot out of a cannon rapping energy that I think is really appealing to people and he hasn't demonstrated much lyricism but you know since we kind of moved past the quote like SoundCloud wave Hearing someone who's going to spit a lot of bars at you really fast with like just shit ton of energy, like Anatoly Chapa does, I think it's just really appealing. You can see that in the numbers he's doing, and he's also starting to like branch out and do more of that singing, more melodic stuff. I don't like that nearly as much as the just straight bars stuff for him at this point. But I think you know all the success at only seventeen, he's I think he's a pretty easy one to go with. So I think those those five would be our locks, Little Tecca. Emily Chappa, Polo G, Lil TJ, and Jack Harlow. And I have some other people that I think are pretty close, but I think those five. And, you know, what about last Rod year, Wave? I think I, last year we had more locks. Now, R- Rod Wave is probably, probably the next one, but I was actually okay. surprised because Rod Wave does not do overall numbers. He's only at like 5 million listeners. That's still a lot. Mo- monthly listeners, Spotify, it's still a lot. But like Hard on Ice, I think, is really like. The one touchstone anyone has, we'll see how this brand new "Pray for Love" album does for him. Um, but you know, he—I think he's—he's he's actually just interesting to me from like a, a demo perspective on the list because he's from Florida, but he's not like what we've associated with Florida recently, with like Little Pump, X X X Denzel mm-hmm. Curry, etc. He, he, He's—he's—he's different than a lot of the the Florida stars of late, so. You know, NBA Youngboy didn't make this list a few years back because he had a lot of legal issues at the time. But Rod Wave's kind of a similar sentiment, and that sound ultimately is really popular right now. And it's a sound that no one else is really doing on this list. So I think it's a good pick in that regard. I actually think when we're done with this, we'll actually have a lot of variety, which um, I I think, you know, when you make this list in terms of like projecting the future of hip-hop, I think representing different areas of the country as well as different sounds within the genre obviously there's there's so much it's a sort of vast sound right now you know uh, so having rod wave i think he would kind of stand out because there's no one else really to pick that's doing what he does like yes little tj and little do more melodic stuff but it's not like that like you know from the street from the heart stuff that rod wave's tempting so i i think he's a good pick
0: so i want to come to probably my favorite artist out of this crew this year Sada Baby, is he on the outside looking in? Is he a safe pick? How are you feeling about his chances?
1: Yeah, so I think Sada Baby is unfortunately not a safe pick at all. Uh, if this was a meritocracy, he's a he's a lock, you know, but he's a lot of things going against him. I think he's the least listened to of anyone really in contention. He's also one of the older artists, he's already 27. Um, which Makes me feel makes me feel old saying that, but that's the truth. Um but I mean, we, we just talked about his last his last project, Scuba sato He's released a lot of music in a short amount of time. He'd be representing Detroit. Um and actually there's a, there's a, another Detroit contender we'll get to. But you know, Block's Party, I love that track. In general, the energy he gives you combined with actual, like really like in your face wild lyricism is also very unique to anyone either Getting here in terms of projecting stardom, he's already like escaped a rough label situation and come out of it better. And whether he makes this or not, you know, Sada Baby's going to be around a long time. I, I think that that's pretty safe. He's probably never going to be a star, though. So I, I think it's an inspired choice and a choice I hope they would make. A lot of times they've shied away from that, though. You know, he's not going to have a major label pushing to get him on this list. So that, that that sucks. But I would absolutely pick him, but I'm not super confident with it.
0: Uh, Okay, so who else you got on your list then? Who's making it?
1: So there's, I guess, another sort of safe one I'm expecting him to make the list is Don Tolliver. I'm not super enthusiastic about this one. I just think it's going to happen. Don Tolliver just released his last album, Heaven or Hell, like a few weeks ago. He signed to Cactus Jack. He's got that Travis Scott co-sign. He was on the Jack Boys EP. He's from Houston, like Travis, he sounds a lot like Travis that like cloud rap wavy shit you know for me it doesn't really stand out a whole lot personally yet he's having a lot of success no idea is a huge hit cardigans really good uh, what uh, what to do off jack boys that was really big too he's become really big i think really fast basically travis did what i think big artists should do they find someone they like and they give them a, a lot of shine and it really seemed to have worked for Don because he did not make a lot of noise at all with his first two mixtapes. And that, that's great. I'm you know, obviously happy for him, but not, not an artist I'm super enthusiastic about. But, the, you know, he's streaming just as much as Chapa and Tekka and DJ and Jack Carlo and Polo G. He's doing just as much numbers month to month right now as those guys. Hmm. So I think he's probably a safe bet because he, he also has the push. So Don, however, you know, he's all right.
0: So Don Tolliver's on the list. Danny Lee, Five Yo, yeah. any of these names?
1: So Five Yo, Foreign, all right, so Pop Smoke, RIP. If Pop Smoke was still with us, I think he's the face of this cover. It's mm. pretty obvious um, Pop Smoke is not here. Now, Pop Smoke was the face of Brooklyn Drill. Brooklyn Drill is a lot different than the singing shit we're getting from Tekka and little TJ in other parts of New York City, right? Um, that Brooklyn drill scene is super vibrant. There's a great pitchfork piece. I recommend you can read to really understand that. It would be malpractice for XXL not to pick a Brooklyn drill artist, even in the wake of Popsville's passing. Now that leaves you—you you have to pick. I think there's four four guys you can pick: Favio Foreign, Chef G, 22G's, and Smooth L. I personally like 22G's the most. I, I think he sounds awesome. Listen to Spin the Block and you'll get the idea real fast. 5 though, is the one who is the most popular. And by most popular, that's still, that's still relative. He's at like 2 million monthly listeners. It's not a big number. The other guys, though, they don't really seem to have a big national presence. It's really just like they're like New York stars right now. And in a sense, you can pick any of them, and they're really inspired choices because overall they're not famous. But I think they would just go with 5 EO because he has the biggest hit of all of them with Big Drip. And he seems to be branching out the most. He's collaborating with other major label artists. So uh, I'm, I just want them to pick one of these guys. I think it'll be 5eo. I would pick 2 G's. But yeah, if they don't pick a Brooklyn Drill artist, that's super lame because that doesn't mean they're... They just, you need to have your, your, your finger on the pulse of new hip-hop when you make this list. And Brooklyn Drill has been the most vibrant of the, the, new, the new
0: waves. So you got to pick someone. So I'll go with 5eo. So, Favio was making Dave's list. Uh, not not certain that it'll be uh, XSL, no, but, but... Not safe. Sounds like you feel like it, it would be malpractice, so put it on the list. Who else is making it? Danny Lee? So, right? you, met,
1: you, uh, you met Danny Lay. You mentioned Danny her. Uh, so, last year, really big for women, right? Tiroak, Rico Nasty, Megan Stallion, and other people um, that you could have picked. The problem is, I think right now, women are still dominating you know, think of Doja cat. I, I was pegging Doja cat for this list uh, a few months ago. She was not listed on the website in terms of people you can vote for, for the 10 spot. So it sounds like Doja isn't interested in making a list. And she became really big, you know, in between covers. So that, that is what it is. So in, in, that leaves you with like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of female MCs that have not made this list. Of course. Yeah. I don't know if any of them have really like bubbled up to the top. Or at least even to the level we've mentioned with other 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 guys who just said. Um people like Cuban Doll um, and Daniel A. That's one of the only ones I would really consider, you know. And I think Daniel Lay is interesting because her sound's a little different, you know? It's not like the I think easy to grasp, like like break I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna step on your face, fuck you dudes. Ad- attitude you get from like city girls and Megan these days, you know, and Cardi, she's a little different. I think she's a little like, like a little more vibey and part of that's because she's a really good dancer. So a lot of her songs are based on like the choreography she's doing in her videos and stuff. i like, really like little baby. And um, like she just did like the Levi high song with the baby and she's trying, you know, the, with a challenge on TikTok, of course, in, in which case you're like pulling pants up. That's like the challenge. It's mm-hmm. pretty pretty erotic, honestly. But uh yeah, I think if if you're picking picking a female MC, I would pick Danny Lay. Don't think she's safe at all though. She's not super popular, but it, it we might not get a, a woman on the list this year. And I think that would that would piss people off. Yeah, I think. You know, especially if like there's no woman but you have like Jack Harlow. Jack Harlow as a white rapper inherently will get some hate. So that's tough, but you know I think this was actually fun about this list. There's a lot of good picks, yet there's only like really like five or six guys that I'd feel pretty confident in making it. So that's kind of fun, and it'll be assumingly a little little more interesting. So Danny Lay I think would make my list. She would be my tenth pick of everyone we've said so far. But there's a lot of other contenders I would throw out there. Um, Duke Deuce was someone I was considering. He's out of Memphis. That Crunk A dead track is really great. That's just, That's an awesome banger. They already got a, a remix with. Lil John, Juicy J. And Duke Deuce, we, we, we didn't re- review his, uh, his album that just dropped, Memphis Massacre 2. Uh, it, it was a busy week for us. I want to talk about that one, though. Like, he, his energy and like trying to like bring back Crunk, like, that's that, that, that that's unique. That's different. And he also demonstrated a lot of like introspection on a song like Bad News, mm-hmm. which is on our playlist. So between that and the ability to make a banger like Crunk Ain't Dead, I think Duke Deuce is a strong pick. Overall, he's not a super popular artist right now. So... Tough to be too confident him getting picked, but I would consider him. And then after that, uh, the other wave I guess we have right now is like Scam Rap and TJX6 or Guap Dad 4000 are the faces of that. I would go with TJX6. He's only 18 from Detroit. Uh, Dark Web, one of my favorite songs from last year. Uh, the ability to elevate talking about committing crimes in hip-hop by talking about downloading VPNs and uh, wire fraud. Is a very of the moment subject matter, and I think reflexive of our times. So I would consider one of the scammers as well. So, All right. I think those are those are the top contenders. There's other people you you know that you'll see people throw out there like little keyed Callboy, twenty four k golden. I don't think he's ready yet. I like him though. Ten um, k cash has a famous dance, but when you know that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean De Baby's boy stunner for Vegas. I think he's pretty bad, but he was on the. The voting list as well um and you can go on uh the the over the 10 spot list on xxl and it's like what 50 names it's a lot of people yeah a lot of people so th- there's lots of people but i think this you know these 10 these 13 people really focused on are probably the, the, the main ones so if a lot of people say no i'm good or the coronavirus impacts the ability to find a way to shoot this cover for the magazine or they to put it off you know who knows what happens but i, I think these are the the, the main people that you should focus
0: on coronavirus just get real yeah it's <laughs> interesting i'm wondering if the cover this year is going to just gonna have to be patched together Um unless they want to delay it uh, or if that will impact who they pick and why it's that would feel a little cheap you know if they were yeah. like oh because uh, you can't we can't travel right now we're just going to pick local people uh make it easier or people are close by but um, hopefully they get they stick with the talent figure the cover out I mean how many times they Photoshop shit anyway yeah so
1: yeah um, so it's obviously a huge production right and like they have all the pitch videos up on YouTube which obviously we're in the can ready to go but they always want to bring people in to do do the ciphers where they're all together you know it, mm. it's one big day that's all it is they do everything in one day but yeah, if you have to wait, it's going to leak. It's Parts of this leak list has leaked several times in the past, and I don't think they want that because it just takes the wind out of their sails, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I imagine the the health of the magazine largely revolves around the big revenue boost they get from running this every year. So, yeah, it's weird, you know? It's a tough situation. I wonder what's going to happen. I think the past few years, they've released it for the June cover, but I assume that means they do everything in at least early May, if not sooner. So, and they're in New York city. So I, I, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be some hoops. So I wonder what's going to happen. The fact that they kick this off though, normal timing suggests they have a plan. So we'll see, but I, I'm excited about a lot of people we talked about. So we'll see what happens.
0: We will see indeed. Uh, if you're watching our breakout video on YouTube, drop your picks and let us know if if Dave's picks uh, yeah. and, and my Take look, it three picks are, um, are right or wrong. Tell us. Um, and Dave, tell the people what they should be listening, watching uh, and consuming for next week.
1: Yeah, next week we have something very similar to the XXL Freshman List. Of course, the comeback album from The Strokes. Uh, <laughs> speaking of New York hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a trio of Sunday night shows I'm very interested in all starting up. Obviously, the final season of Insecure on HBO as well as Run. Run with Donald Gleason, which has some Phoebe Waller Bridge energy. Looking forward to that. Don't really know much about it, but Phoebe Waller Bridge is enough for me to check in. Yep. Uh, and of course, the return of Killing Eve for season three on BBC America. And then. Which needs I mean, more Phoebe Waller Bridge. That's true. Yes. <laughs> we'll probably talk about that next week. Uh, Tiger Tail, the Netflix film from Alan Yang, of course, famous from his collaboration with Z and Master of None. And then on Monday we have the season, perhaps series finale of *Briarpatch* on USA. So you know a, a solid a solid week thus far. Later in April it might be a little sparse, but next week we're good.
0: Yeah. The well is drying up quickly, but we'll we'll enjoy the the gulp of water for next week. <laughs> um, yeah, in, interesting. Uh, if *Briarpatch* will have a season two or not, especially because it seems like. Um, rosario dawson might be getting very busy very quickly after this. Sounds like that's real we're, we're going to be talking about that uh so stay tuned subscribe to nostalgia follow us on twitter at nostalgia pod soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod and youtube.com slash nostalgia pod we'll see you next week